Brought to you by the LeBeau College of Business at Drexel University, this is Career Conversations with Kelly, a podcast that explores careers and professional development by showcasing successful business leaders in the Philadelphia region. And now, here is your host, Kelly Diley. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Career Conversations with Kelly. I'm your host, Kelly Diley, a career coach with Drexel University's LeBeau College of Business where I work very closely with our graduate students, alums, and employer partners. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast so that you never miss an episode. Joining me today virtually is Angela Harris, Operations Program Manager with Microsoft and a Drexel Dragon. Angela also has a passion for philanthropy and established the Angela V. Harris Scholarship Fund here at Drexel to support the growth and development of African-American students enrolled in the College of Computing and Informatics. Since its inception in 2017, the scholarship has grown to support two students annually. Today on the podcast, we will hear about Angela's story, including her struggles and how she has succeeded in climbing the corporate technology ladder. Angela will also provide insight and advice for women of color who are interested in a career in STEM. So we have a lot to talk about today. Thank you so much for joining me, Angela. Hi, Kelly. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here today. Wonderful. I am so excited. And as always, I'd like to thank our listeners for their support. Quick background for the listeners. Uh, Angela and I met during a virtual networking panel that my office facilitated back in the spring. That's when we were all making pivots to virtual meetings and events. And Angela and I really clicked. We hit it off and we stayed in touch ever since. And what I learned is that she is very, very busy and very, very successful and has accomplished a lot throughout her career. So Angela, to get started, can you please just share a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. I work in the tech industry. I'm an operations program manager at Microsoft, and you might hear the term STEM. STEM stands for science, technology, engineering, and math. And recently, there's um, a new term called STEAM, which is science, technology, engineering, arts, and mathematics. And Honestly, these terms weren't around when I was a child. We, we just had the umbrella term, you know, computers. And for me, I've just always had a fascination with technology. I can remember I was about six years old and I was in a store with my aunt and, you know, we were just, you know, going aisle for aisle and I saw a computer. I had no idea what it was, but I was just like, I was just so fascinated with it. And I just remember just playing with it and pressing buttons, you know, not knowing anything that I was doing, but I knew that that's like where I needed to be. And fast forward to I was about nine years old. My father purchased my first computer for me. It was a Commodore 64. And I just have to say, um, I knew from a very early age, I wanted to pursue a career in technology. And my father was a huge, you know, advocate of education. He always told me since I was five years old, you know, get as much education as you can. So I knew that I always wanted to attend college and I knew I wanted to study a computer related field, you know, when I entered college. (laughs) Wow. So that was actually something I was going to ask you if you always had an interest, if you always knew that you would be interested in STEM and computers and you answered that. And I think that's, that's pretty amazing. Um, especially at such a young age. I love your story of of pushing the buttons on the computer. Um, 
I wanted to also ask you, what led to the establishment of your scholarship fund? A few things, actually. Um, again, I just mentioned, you know, my father was always a huge component of education. And, and so I always, you know, excelled in school. I was an honor roll student in school. And when I graduated from high school, I finished fourth in my class. And I applied to tons and tons of scholarships my senior year in high school, but I really didn't get any scholarship money. And I attended Drexel University for my undergraduate career. And I got a small grant, but it didn't cover the entire amount of my tuition. And my father had to pay for the balance, you know, out of his savings. So my father essentially used his savings to send me to school. And again, at that time, I feel like there weren't any scholarships for, you know, black women wanting to, you know, pursue STEM and technology degrees. And fast forward, um, my senior year in college, my father died from cancer at the start of my senior year in college. And to add to that, my father, I'm sorry, my mother was already deceased. My mother also died from cancer when I was three years old. And I had been working part-time for my co-op employer, but right after my father died, I was laid off from my co-op job and I started senior year, you know, unemployed, no source of income. And I called the financial aid office to say, you know, hey, you know, both my parents are now deceased. I'm no longer working. Is there any additional aid that I can receive? And I was told that I would only qualify for a loan. And that didn't make me feel comfortable because, again, I was not working at the time. I didn't know what the future was going to hold. So I didn't want to take on a loan not knowing what the future was going to hold. And so I would say like that experience or that moment kind of motivated me to want to start a scholarship in the future because I knew that I was unique and that my father had money saved for my education. Not that he was a millionaire, but you know, he was, he was an avid saver. So there was still money available for me to finish my education. Whereas, you know, I went to, there were, there were classmates of mine that had to leave freshman year because of financial issues. And I knew that I was very fortunate that my father had this money set aside for me to finish my education, despite, you know, my circumstances. So that was one motivating factor. And also I would just say, you know, being a woman in tech and knowing the need for women in tech in this, in, in this industry right now, we currently only make up 3% of the tech workforce. And I feel like Black women need ac access to a quality education to, to, to enter this, the STEM field. So that was another motivating factor. Yeah. So first of all, I just want to say I'm, I'm so sorry for the loss that you've experienced, but you seem like you're even stronger because of that kind of clawed your way out of that situation. Um, like I said, establishing a scholarship fund, which you're, you're very humble, but just so everybody knows, Angela actually funds that with her own money. Um, and I just think that you need to be commended for that. You, you did slightly touch upon being a woman in STEM, being a woman of color in STEM. And I'm, I'm curious if you're willing to share anything about your struggles being a woman of color in the tech industry. That is a loaded question. I mean, honestly, <laughs> how much time do we have? <laughs> Where do I begin? I guess if you really go back, you know, from childhood, you know, when I was in school, you know, STEM programs, you know, did not exist. You know, today you have programs like, you know, Black Girls Code or Girls Who Code and I didn't have programs like that when I was a child. You know, I, I simply had my personal computer at home and I was kind of like the, you know, the, the oddball because, you know, my friends, they had, you know, their Sega video game systems, their, their Nintendos, you know, the after school, they, they were playing, you know, video games. Whereas, you know, me, I was just going home, you know, playing, playing around on my computer, you know, doing things on my computer. I think I taught myself basic programming, you know, at a, at a young age, but 
that was like, that was a disadvantage because, you know, fast forward to college, I started Drexel as a computer science major, having never really programmed before outside of basic programming, which is completely different from the C++ that I had to learn my freshman year. And I struggled. I, I was not prepared. So for me, one disadvantage was just not having that STEM education, you know, in high school, junior high school, elementary school. Fast forward to when I entered the workforce, my very first co-op job, I was the first woman and, you know, obviously first black woman to work in that department. You know, I had no, I, again, I didn't have STEM role models growing up. So I didn't know that STEM was a male dominated field. Mm -hmm. So I, I just didn't know. And I was just astonished that, you know, I was like the first woman to work in that department. But I remember when I was interviewing for that co-op job, the manager, you know, he shared that with me and he said that he was going to hire, he wanted to hire two women to be co-ops because they had never had a woman in that department. That was 1998. Wow. And, and what about, what about even just in recent years, you know, you are now at Microsoft, which is a dream for many people, but I know it wasn't easy. I know it wasn't yeah. easy to get there. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's, it is a dream for me because I feel like I've always been a Windows girl all my life. You know, my first my first Windows computer was like Windows 2.1. But, you know, the road to get here has not been easy. And I honestly, I went through periods in my career where I, I felt like, you know, STEM was not the, the best career choice for me. I honestly contemplated, you know, leaving technology altogether just because I didn't have mentorship very early in my year. I didn't feel supported. Um, I've gone through situations where I've been undervalued, underpaid, you know, um, we just, we just, I had Af um, black women equal pay day, I think it was August the 13th. And the stats on that indicate that black women make 62 cents for the dollar. And on top of that, over the course of a 40 year career, you know, we're going to lose over a million dollars in a 40 year career. So throughout my career, I've seen, you know, white males who've had less experience, less education than me, you know, just excel in their careers. Whereas, you know, I have to continually prove myself over and over again. And I guess to give you an example, I have my PMP certification and the PMP is the project management professional certification. And I think I got my certification back in 2013. And so I'd been working for over 10 years and, you know, in the field. And I remember I went for a job interview it was for a pro project manager position with a company in Philadelphia. And I just received my PMP certification. Like I said, I had my master's degree at that time as well as over 10 years of work experience. And I interviewed for a project manager role. I received an offer, but when I received the job offer, it was, before, it was for a junior project management role. Hmm. And the reason was because they felt I didn't have enough experience, but the, the hiring manager only had a bachelor's degree. And here it is, you know, I had my bachelor's degree, my master's degree and a certification in project management, but he felt I needed more experience. And there's a statistic that says, you know, men will only apply for a job if they have 60% of the qualifications, whereas a woman won't apply unless she has 100% of the qualifications. And men and women are evaluated differently. You know, men are, you know, evaluated based on their potential, whereas, you know, women, we already, we have to be operating above and beyond what's expected of the role. We aren't given the opportunity to, to grow into a role. And, you know, I read the book Lean In a few years ago, and, and you know, Sheryl Sandberg says we should, women should learn by doing, but that approach doesn't really apply to Black women because um, Black women are the most educated class in the workforce right now, and we aren't given the opportunity to, to learn while we're doing, because we're being told that we're not qualified for the role. It's just like, I'm speechless over this, you know, especially hearing that you had your PMP, a master's degree, 
meeting all of the qualifications. And by the way, that's actually something that I share with my students. Um, I don't obviously go into all the detail, but I say, you know, when they're applying for a job, um, women actually tend to apply, like you said, if they only meet 100% of the criteria. Right. Mm-hmm. And I tell people, nobody's going to meet 100% of their criteria. You know, that, that, that's just rare. Um, you know, once in a while, maybe you, you, you find a job that you feel was written for you. But typically people, you know, that are, that are qualified are going to meet 70 to 80% of the job description. So um, hearing you tell your story and really just confirm a lot of the biases that we've all been hearing as of late, um, I have to say it's upsetting, and, and and this is coming from a white woman, so I can't imagine. Yeah, like I said, it's very feel. upsetting, and honestly, I feel like you know, obviously, I've known the pay gap was there because I feel like since my since I've graduated, I've I've experienced the pay gap my entire career. But just seeing the fact that you know, over the course of my career, I'm going to lose a million dollars that 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 just really hits hard, and there's like a sense of anger there because I feel like there's really nothing I could do about it because I am leaning in. I've I've been leaning in my entire career and leaning in is not working for me. Well, do you think now though that people, there is more awareness and that people are talking about things more? Do you at least think it's a starting point that these conversations are being had? It's a starting point, but again, this, it's, this isn't something that's happened overnight. I was actually just reading an article that one of my mentees shared with me this year about you know the discrepancies of you know women in tech and there was a famous computer scientist, her name is Anita Borg. She's deceased now, but in 1995, she issued a call to the tech industry to reach gender um, gender parity by the year 2020. We're not there yet. So I feel like, you know, this isn't something new. There needs to be some accountability. This didn't happen overnight. It, it happens from years of neglect and no one taking action about it. So Angela, given all that you have shared so far, and again, you know, I, I can feel your passion through my computer screen, <laughs> um, kind of just switching gears on the other side of things, what do you think has contributed the most to your career progression and professional development? I would have to say my drive and determination. I've always been very driven and very goal oriented. And I know just considering, you know, my life circumstances, the fact that, you know, both my parents were deceased by the time that I graduated and my parents were educated in segregated schools. You know, they didn't attend college. I'm a first generation college graduate. So I have a, I have, I guess, a lot, you know, riding on my shoulders. I feel like, you know, I owe it to them to be successful. So that's my motivation. I'm doing it for them. And you know, last week was the 57th anniversary of the March on Washington. My parents marched on Washington. And I just had, I just recall this week that my father took me to, I want to say it was like the 25th anniversary March on Washington. When I was like eight or nine years old as a child. So I, I marched on Washington as a child. I marched virtually, you know, last week because I wasn't able to attend in person. So I feel like I have an obligation to my parents to make them proud, you know? Mm. And, you know, I, like I said, I, I'm just very determined. So I feel like, there's nothing that's going to stop me. I've, I've heard so many no's in my career, but you know, a no just makes me work even harder and harder because I know that I am deserving and more than qualified to do anything. Oh my God. I can, and I, like I said, even just the short time I've known you, I can tell that you're passionate and determination and you know, it, it's, it's there. And obviously look where you're at now. You're at a company that most people only dream about being considered for. So you're obviously doing something right. 
Um, one of the things too, that really stood out to me when I first started chatting with you, um, and we talked about offline was, uh, your LinkedIn headline and a quick side note, I'm, I'm cracking up because the LinkedIn headline is something that I work with my students on all the time. Um, they come back to me with multiple drafts and I, I say to them, this is what is going to grab someone's attention you know, before they click on your profile, like that headline, <laughs> that headline needs to be something other than student at Drexel, right? So your LinkedIn headline contains the hashtag authentic Angela. And I know that you and I talked about it, but would you briefly share with the listeners how this has become part of your brand? Yes. So um, we already talked about the fact that I have a scholarship and my very first scholarship recipient, her name is Blessing Adagame. She is like a LinkedIn genius and she has, she has the hashtag um, boundless blessing. So I, you know, just watching her on LinkedIn, she's a, she's an avid poster. She posts videos uh, all day. She actually has a community of followers called like students of LinkedIn. And um, just seeing her, engagement with LinkedIn, you know, mentoring is a two way street. So, you know, I mentor her, she mentors me, she has mentored me in social media. And, you know, I admire her, her work ethic on LinkedIn. And I asked her, you know, I really want a hashtag, how can I be cool like you and get a hashtag? And she thought about it. She was like, how about authentic Angela? So I got the hashtag from one of my mentees. <laughs> I love it. That's such a great story. That is so fun. And you should probably be posting that on all of your social media. <laughs> so even though you have shared some of the struggles that you have faced already from being a child up until now, you know, really some horrible struggles that not a lot of people would be able to relate to, you know, especially losing both parents, being a woman of color in the field of technology, you know, you've already overcome so much. Um, essentially what I'm getting at though, is aside from all of that adversity and all of those tough times, was there ever a time sort of like a career failure or a bump in the road with your career that you've experienced? Can you recall a time like that? Sure. Um, you know, nobody, no one is perfect. And honestly, I can think about numerous times where, you know, I've made, a, I've made mistakes in terms of, you know, maybe not getting confirmation on an email or not, you know, wording something properly or just not documenting something properly. And, you know, some people describe failure as, you know, first attempt in learning. So if you're not failing, that means you're not really trying anything new or trying to go, you know, jump outside of your comfort zone. But when I think about that question, I feel like the biggest failure was probably to myself very early in my career. You know, I, I, you know, I mentioned that, you know, both my parents were deceased. So I really didn't have, you know, a mentor, you know, guiding me once I graduated from college. So I had to figure things out on my own. And I kind of just assumed that, you know, people in authority knew more than me. But as I've shared, you know, as I've gone, gone along in my career, I realized that just because someone has a title doesn't mean that they have the experience or the education that goes along with that title. So I witnessed a lot of that. And, when it first happened, you know, it kind of caught me off guard and I didn't really know how to react to this. So I kind of went along with it. And so I feel like there, there were definitely times very early in my career where I should have challenged some of the things that my managers were saying or doing. If I knew something, if I knew, I guess, like a process or the approach that they were recommending didn't make sense. I really, I didn't challenge it at times, but 
I've definitely overcome that now because like I said, I've seen a lot in my career. So now I know that I go on with the mentality that, you know, I deserve to be here. I deserve my seat at the table. I'm more than qualified for the job that I'm doing and my voice deserves to be heard and I, I make it heard. <laughs> I was sitting here, obviously people can't see me, but I'm like clapping in my chair <laughs> and jumping out because I was like, I want her to say that her voice matters and that she's- Yes, yes, and you know what? Just to add on to that, um, I forget what year Michelle Obama was at the um, the PA conference for women, but I had the opportunity to attend it and she was just phenomenal. But I remember she was sharing the story that you know she sat at a lot of tables and she used the term high powered mediocrity. Mm. And that just really hit home for me because it really ex it, it really explained the feeling that that I've experienced throughout my career. You know, I've also experienced, you know, high power mediocrity. I've been at tables where, you know, my managers, like I said, they did not have the education to to be leaders. Mm. Whereas, you know, I'm told that I'm not ready or qualified to lead, but I, I'm surrounded by high power mediocrity. <laughs> I'm laughing because. I, I, I want to say things, but I won't. <laughs> I want to comment there, but um, yeah, I think, I think that, and it's funny, that was actually the one conference that I had to miss. Oh, wow. Where Michelle was speaking, and I remember just being so bummed out. And all my colleagues told me how phenomenal. Yes, yes. It was, that was my only PA conference that I was able to attend, mm -hmm. but it was everything. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm glad you were able to go. Uh, so my, my last question for you, Angela, do you have any advice for women of color who are interested in a career in STEM? I do. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind, um, I'm a huge fan of Pinterest. I see like memes and quotes every day, but there's one that says, when women support each other, incredible things happen. Mm. And when I look back on my career, unfortunately, I really didn't get a lot of support from women. And some of my worst experiences were from women who didn't support me and intentionally tried to hold me back. But, you know, that just motivated me even more. You know, you see, I've gone on to start a scholarship. I'm a huge I'm a huge fan of mentoring. I mentor so many women just because, you know, I didn't have someone like me very early in my career. And another one of my philosophies is, is lifting while I climb. You know, I'm still climbing the tech ladder myself. And, you know, I've started a scholarship to give back to, you know, empower other young girls in STEM so they can join me. And I, I feel like, you know, we, we all can have a seat at the table. You know, there's room for everyone at the table just because I, I succeed doesn't mean that you can't succeed. And honestly, I want everyone to see because we need more women at the table. Mm -hmm. So I would just encourage, you know, anyone coming behind me, you know, form your circle because you're going to need that circle to support you. Um, to give you an example, it was about um, two, 2018, I was accepted into a leadership development program for women of color in the tech industry. It's called Emerge Academy. And it's sponsored by an organization called the Information Technology Senior Management Forum. And they are focused on increasing the representation of African-Americans throughout senior levels in the tech field. And I was a part of a cohort of 24 women. And it was just an amazing experience. So even today, you know, if I have a day that I'm feeling down or that self-doubt starts to creep in a little bit, I know I can pick up the phone and I have 24 women that are going to pour into me and remind me that I can do this. So you're going to need those tribes, you know, to get you through. So basically find your tribe, mm -hmm. right? Get involved. And I think one of the things you mentioned about um, Emerge Academy, forming your circle and also 
um, getting involved with leadership development programs. Yes, yes, definitely. Like get involved, you know, um, college alumni association or professional associations and network, you know, it's about who knows you, you know, networking is actually kind of how I landed at Microsoft uh, through, through the Emerge Academy that one of my cohort members, she worked at Microsoft and she shared with that group that, you know, there was an opening in her area. And I said, hey, you know, I want to learn more. And had I not been in that program and, you know, getting that support, I feel like I probably wouldn't even have the courage to even ask her to say, hey, I want to do an informational interview with you to learn more about this opportunity. I love that you mentioned that because everyone <laughs> who knows me knows I push networking very, very hard on everyone. And that's such a great success story that you landed your job through networking. And y'all, yeah. to all the listeners out there, 80% of the jobs out yes. there are landed through networking. Yes. Yes, yes. Just sitting behind the computer and applying. It's not going to work. No, no. And to give you an example, um, like I said, I did an informational interview with her and, you know, I said, I'm definitely interested. So she passed my resume along to one of her colleagues. I did a phone interview with her colleague and I was flown out for a face-to-face interview. And now I'm here. And that's something I honestly never would have imagined for myself because, you know, prior to that, you know, I'd heard no so many times in my career and, you know, I wasn't even getting support from the organization that I was working for. So for Microsoft to tell me yes, when so many other, you know, mm. companies told me no, that's just, it's, it's priceless. <laughs> that's, that's, that's amazing. And, you know, I, I really genuinely want to thank you for being so real and, and sharing all that you did. Um, I know that some of this is not easy to talk about, um, but I really think that everyone who's listening regardless of their background, but especially for some of the young women and the women of color who may be listening, um, I think that you are absolutely a role model, someone that they can look up to. And I just wanna thank you again, Angela, for joining me today. And like I said, great story, a lot of meaningful and impactful information. And it's been truly a pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. Career Conversations with Kelly is produced by Drexel's LeBeau College of Business. Opinions expressed do not reflect the views of the college or university. We thank you for listening and hope that you will join us again next time.